0: welcome to this podcast by global church we are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere one to everyone if you want to find out more information check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk welcome to global my name's sam for any of you who don't know me Um, i'm married to vic who's down here We've been married nearly 10 years. I know you don't get much of a woo for nearly, but maybe when we are, we'll get that. Um, but yeah, we've got two children, Evelyn and James. James, who's here? Hi, James. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Evelyn, who's out with the kids at the moment. So uh, we love coming to church. Church is genuinely our favourite thing in life, and that's not because we're boring people. We don't have. Other exciting things going on, we do. But genuinely, church is the most important. Um, I wanna, I've, I've titled my talk. My talk has changed a lot since I started writing it. So this is now the, the working title. This may change by the end of the message. Um, but we're going to go with the real deal. And that is because God wants the real deal out of you. And people want the real deal out of you. And we want the re- real deal out of God and out of church. In life, everyone's looking for the real deal. They wanna know, are you authentic? Yeah, they wanna know, do you have a hidden agenda? You know when you get that phone call, and it's like, hello, is that Mr. Ross? I'm thinking, no one calls me Mr. Ross. Like, not since I worked in a school. And I was thinking, (coughs) you want to sell me something. You are not like, you know, and it's like, oh, it's just a courtesy call. This is not a courtesy call. No one makes courtesy calls. They want to sell you something. So, um, you know, often we, we, we're skeptical of people and we want, to, we want authenticity. Um, so I want to tell you a story. This is a true story. This happened to me. Um, about 18 months ago, I injured my knee and we were uh, me and, and Ben at the time were doing some circuits classes together. This isn't Ben's fault, but I thought I might as well throw someone else under the bus whilst I'm <laughs> up here. I'll take all the pressure myself. And, and we did these classes, we, we had this challenge that we were doing every day. And by doing this challenge, I just uh, I went a little bit too far, as it is in my competitive nature, to do so. And uh, I damaged my knee doing these squats. Um, so at the time I thought, what's the best thing to do? Best thing to do is to go and see a doctor. But as a man, I thought, I don't need a doctor. I'm fine. I know what to do. So I thought, I'll rest it, and it'll be fine. So I rested my knee for a while. And then I, but then the problem came when I didn't really know how long to rest my knee for. So I kept resting my knee until the point where then um, I get this thing in my head which is like, can't put any pressure on my knee, can't do anything with my knee, can't walk, you know... I didn't go that far. But, you know, can't run, can't exercise, can't go to the gym, all that kind of stuff. So I've now got a serious problem with my knee, and now I'm overcompensating on the other knee. So now I'm causing problems on my knee, my hips, my back. I'm like, I'm going to die soon. So, <laughs> um, so, during this time of 18 months, I've lost fitness, I've put on a little bit of weight, I'm holding it in at the moment for your benefit, not for mine. <laughs> and uh, You know, I lost all that kind of stuff. I lost strength, flexibility, all that, because I was prideful. I'll be honest, I had pride. Didn't want to go and see the doctor, thought the doctor, to go to the doctor, you have to admit that you have a problem, right? No point going to a doctor if you don't have a problem. So I thought, don't want to admit I have a problem, so stay clear of the doctor. So 18 months go by, and then I finally come to my senses, bit like that guy in the story that Ben was telling the other week, come to my senses, think, I need help. So, I thought, I'm going to speak to a doctor, but I'll just text Lynn, because that's easier. (laughs) True story. So I text Lynn, I thought, it's easy to put it in a text, I have to call, I admit I'm wrong, massively, can do it in a text. So, text Lynn, said, got a problem. Happened 18 months ago, should have done something before. Haven't, problem, flexibility, strength, all the rest of it. You've heard it already. So, text Lynn, Lynn says, need to go and see your doctor. I was like, thought you were the doctor, thought you were going to solve my problem. Didn't solve my problem, need to see a real doctor. Not that Lynn's not a real doctor. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. So, rang the doctor. They said, can I get an appointment? They say it's going to be two weeks or whatever. I was like... No, I need it now. This is urgent, can't walk, can't do anything, knees hurting. So, rang the doctor, doctor says, um, could be this, could be that, probably need to see a physio. You can self-refer on the website or you can come in for an appointment. thought, I like the idea of self-referring on a website, don't need to come and see the doctor. So, went on the website, self-referred, got to see the physio. So, had my first physio appointment this week, and uh, went well, to be fair, a um, little embarrassing. Um, because I don't have a problem with my knee. <laughs> That's the, <yeah. laughs> uh, you know, all of that happened, and then they're like, your knee's fine. I was like, oh, I thought I had like serious issues. Like, because the problem is, over time, I'd built up this picture in my head that my knee's damaged, permanently damaged, never gonna get better, never gonna be able to run, never gonna be able to exercise, all that kind of stuff. When I got to the doctor, I said, your knee's fine. The problem is you've been overcompensating, and now you've got problems with your hips, your back, everything. And so you've got to work on your flexibility, you've got to work on your fitness, you've got to build up back strength. So why do I tell you this? I tell you this because often we don't experience the fullness of life that we can have because of pride or fear of failure. Because we're too prideful, proud people that we don't ask for help and we're, fi- we, we're scared that we're going to fail. We're scared that we're going to do more damage or that things are just going to go wrong. So we don't attempt stuff. We don't do stuff in life. And really, what I want to say today is no matter what's going on up in your head, you should attempt something in faith. You should step out in faith. You should believe God for something in your life. Now, here's a verse in the Bible that scared me when I was a child. So I thought I'd share it with you. Bit of therapy again. So... <laughs> Matthew seven twenty one says this, and this is a problem for me. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, the problem I have with that is when I was growing up in church, that was my plan all along. I was like, so church, for me, it was like, it was a bit weird. If I'm honest, um, I didn't really like going to church. Um, I did it because I thought you should And I thought, if God's real, he'll be angry with me if I don't. So I thought, I'll go, um, because my parents went. But it was a little bit strange. So I thought, easy way out of this is I just say, I believe in Jesus. I just believe it in my head, at the back of my head somewhere. I can live my life a normal, normal, normal life. And then at the end of life, I'll just believe in that Jesus person. And then I'll get to heaven. And then I read this verse, and I was like, oh, (laughs) it doesn't quite work like that. And I realized what Christianity was not. So Christianity is not what you say. It's not just a kind of verbal thing. You can't just say, I'm a Christian. Or you can't just be born in this country and then think, oh, I'm a Christian because I'm born in England. Uh, It's not just about what you say. And then I realized as well, it's not about what you do. Because what you do is then religion. It's like, well, if you do this, then you're a Christian. If you read your Bible, you're a Christian. If you attend church every Sunday, you're a Christian. And I was like, so if it's not what you say and what you do, and then I thought, oh, it might be a philosophy. It might be just some, you know, a set of beliefs that I have, a set of something I can debate with people. And then I realized it's not a philosophy. It's not a religion. It's not what you do. It's not what you say. See, Christianity is not those things Christianity is a relationship with God that affects your whole life. See, a Christian, a Christ one, means that you are in Christ, which means that when you're in something, you can't get out of something. See, if you're a Christian, you're just a Christian, like all your life. You know, 24-7, you're a Christian. So that means it should affect your whole life. It should change the way you are as a person because of what you believe. It shouldn't be the list of rules and things that you have to do. I so. so I realized that God wants to know me and I want to know the real God. I don't want to know the stained glass God. I don't want to know the old fashioned, traditional God. Yeah. I want to know who God is. So if I said to you, name me 10 preachers that changed your life, you might struggle. You might think like, Uh, Sam sang Beyonce once in a preach I don't think that changed my life I'm not going to do it now you have to pay extra for that now I've gone up I've gone up in the world you might think oh there was a preach Dave had a big pencil did that change my life I don't know but if I said to you name me 10 people who've shaped your life I bet you can I bet you can name those people. I bet you can say, this person changed my life, this person did this, this person inspired me. That's because life is about relationships. It's not about just the words. So your life won't change because of this talk, but it'll change if you apply what this talk says and is. Because your life changes because of application and because of living in relationship with people. It does not change just because of words or just because of actions. See, in global we are real, relevant, relational and robust. And that relational bit is key. So relational is how you get on with each other. It's kind of, it's being part of a community. See, global isn't just a service on a Sunday. That's like the smallest part of what we do. Global is about being part of a community of people. So I want you to ask the question. Do people enjoy being around me? That always hurt me, so I thought I'd ask you. (laughs) Do people enjoy being around me? Can you laugh at yourself? Can you encourage people? Can you kind of be good news to people? Can you be all that stuff? Um, And this isn't to kind of put yourself down and think, oh, no, I can't, so I don't belong. It's like, well, just change, just be it. And it's not as easy as that. I realise that, so I'm going to go into that. But do people enjoy being around me? See, being relational isn't about preaching to each other. That's kind of the worst form of communication. In a relationship, it's brilliant right now because you're all ready for a preach, so I thought I'd preach. But if you just sat with somebody having coffee and then they start preaching at you and telling you, well, the Bible says this and you need to do this, it's like, that's, that's like bad communication. See, being relational is being around somebody, being there good times, bad times. They see the good, the bad, and the ugly about you, and they still love you. See, that's how God is with us. So how God is with us, we can be like with other people. That's kind of the point of it. But people want the real deal. They don't want an imitation. They don't want you to pretend that you're something you're not. They don't want the the pretend you, the Instagram you, the kind of like, this'll get lots of likes me because I said something cool on Instagram or I posted this photo of my angelic child after they'd thrown up all over the place. You know, they, they, that's not the the image. That's not what people want to know. They want to know the real you. See, the thing is that I was reading this week in. Um John's Gospel in the Bible, and I was reading through chapters 7 and chapters 8, and um, if you've got a digital Bible, you might not have seen this, but if you've got a paper Bible, you see it, because it's there, it's on the paper, and you've got 7 and you've got 8, and in 7 and 8, the Pharisees at the time, who were kind of the religious leaders, the kind of top people in the the church at the time, um, and they were debating about Jesus, and they were asking questions of each other, like, Is he the Messiah? Is he the person that was promised? Then they're coming to the conclusion, he must not be. But they're debating it. They're always talking about it in seven and in eight. But right in the middle of seven and eight, you've got the first few verses of chapter eight. And in the first few few verses of chapter eight, you realize who Jesus is. But the Pharisees missed it. And they missed it because they're debating. They're talking about him here. They're talking about him there. But right in the middle, you get this. You get the real deal. John 8, 3 to 11 should come up on the screen. It says, The teachers of the law and Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. She's there. She's a sinner. She knows it. Everyone else knows it. It says, In the law of Moses commanded us... Uh, the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this as a question in order to have a basis for accusing him. See, they're just debating. They're, just, they're not experiencing Jesus. They're, they're kind of talking about him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then this is Jesus being the real deal. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. See there he's saying, if you're without sin, throw the first stone. Jesus was without sin. So you've got to see this. These people weren't without sin and they're the ones judging and condemning. Jesus without sin, he's saying, if you're without sin, throw the first stone. Giving himself permission to stone the woman which was in the law, right? But he doesn't. And this is the thing, because previous to this, Jesus says, I'm not coming into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. See, the Pharisees missed it because they're debating. They're talking about Jesus. They're having a philosophy about who this Messiah is, but they're not experiencing him. But she experienced him because she was saved. She was caught in sin. She felt ashamed, but she was not condemned and freed to live a full life. Whereas the Pharisees thought they had it all together, but they left sad. They left like annoyed and frustrated. See, are you more interested in debating Christianity or are you more interested in experiencing it? Do you want to live it? See, some of you didn't hear that, but... Are you more interested in debating Christianity? Are you more interested in talking about it, in having a belief system rather than experiencing Christianity, rather than kind of believing that God has a life for me, a full life for me that involves lots of good things? See, do you want that or do you just want the chat? Do you just want the talk about it? Do you just want the little debates about it? See, the Pharisees thought they were right because they came to their conclusion about Jesus. And I want to say, maybe you've come to your conclusion about Jesus or church. And I want to say, maybe you're wrong. <laughs> maybe there's a better way. And this, you'll find this. We did um, at work, we did a, a team training day the other day. And one of the tasks that we had to do was we were given two planks of wood and we had to cross over these different... Um, bits, and your planks of wood couldn't touch the floor, they could only touch the different bits. So in our heads, we were, ma- we were asked to make a plan, so we talked about it, and we thought, right, we'll get this plank of wood here, we'll cross everyone across, we'll get the other plank of wood, we'll carry it, we'll go, 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 right? And then, when we got to the first, like, bridge, and they were like, right, we'll just put a plank of wood down here to reach the other bridge, the plank of wood didn't reach. And so we had to change our plan. And we only changed it because we experienced it. We put ourselves in it. See, we didn't see that before because we were stood outside of it, outside of it, debating it and looking at it. And I wonder for you, maybe you need to just step into it a bit more. Maybe you need to kind of step into that faith zone and say, right, I'm going to believe God for something. I'm going to believe in Jesus for this. So I've got three points for you. That was a... Long introduction, I learned from the best. (laughs) 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 Point number one is this. This is about the real deal. And the first one is get real with yourself. See, the hardest person to lead is who? Yourself. Yourself. Okay, so first of all, we've got to get real with ourselves. And to get real with yourself, you can't put on this fake persona of yourself, this kind of Instagram self, this kind of nicely kind of made-up self. You've got to be real with people. You've got to do the ABCs. These are your ABCs. A, admit fault. B, believe in Jesus. And, and when I say believe in Jesus, because we all believe in something, but belief has to be attached to something. You can't just believe generally. You've got to believe in something. You've got to believe in that chair that you sat on that is going to hold your weight. You've got to believe in yourself if you think that you can achieve something. I'm saying believe in Jesus. Yeah. Believe in Jesus for the next step. Because then the next step is that you change. That's the C. So admit fault, believe in Jesus, change but you can't change just by yourself this is why we need that belief in Jesus we need that belief in a higher power that we can change and that is Jesus Christ and know that being real with yourself isn't about being negative see people use this it's like oh I'm just being real it's like no you're just being negative you're being aggressive or whatever and I want to say like attracts like Birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. yeah, If you're a negative, whingy person, you think that's being real, you will attract negative, whingy people. Yeah. Are those the kind of people you want to be around? If they are, well, I don't know, I can't help you. OK? <laughs> I can't. But I want to be around positive people. Right? I, want, I want positive people in my life. Yeah. Now, me and Vic are privileged to be part of a, the leadership team at Global, and we love the people in the leadership team because they're positive people. They're, they're people full of faith. They're people attempting new things in life. They're people moving forward. We want to be part of that team, right? But there's a privilege in being part of that team because you can look at that and think, like, oh, I wish I was part of that team. I wish I was around those people. But genuinely, you have to earn the right. You can't, we can't be negative nasty people and say, right, I want to be part of this team, because soon they will move away from us very, very quickly. Okay, We can't be part of that team if we're negative. To be part of a team of of positive people, you have to be a positive person. You have to. You have to change. Whingers attract whingers, if you want to write something down. (laughs) So be the person you want to be around. And like I said before, in order to change, you need that belief, you need to attach that belief to something. If you've attached it to yourself all this time, you will realise that that I've realised myself, I let myself down, okay, because I think I can achieve something. I set a list of to-do things, you might have done this in your life, okay, you set a list of to-do things, and then you realise at the end of the day, I've done two of the ten, and I was like, how did that happen? I know how it happened in my head, but my excuses those two were really important. I had to catch up on Netflix, and I had to, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Don't pretend to be something you're not. People see through it. Yeah. People see through fakeness very, very quickly, okay? Your Instagram profile, I, I was like, genuinely, I was looking on Facebook the other day, you know, the kind of the people you may know, Right? And I was looking through the pictures. I genuinely have never seen these people in my life before, right? Because so many filters, like people have ears, people have little noses, people have like strange faces. I don't know if you've experienced this on Facebook, but I was like, I've never seen this person in my life. And I might work with them. I don't know them (laughs) because I can't recognize them. But don't pretend to be something you're not. People can spot a fraud. My second point is this, be real with each other. So I want to ask you a question and that question is how do you respond when somebody asks you to do something? That person might be your boss at work, that person might be um, a, a teacher if you're in some kind of class, that person might be your connect leader, it might be your pastor, it might be your spouse. How do you respond when asked to do something? That will give you a clue to how you are being real with other people. Are you negative about it? Do you kind of whine about it? Do you complain to other people about it? See, we have a phrase in Global, which is, stick with us and we'll do you good. And that is so true. If you've been around Global for a while, you will know that to be true, because you'll have known people get alongside you. You'll have known people encourage you. So stick with us and we'll do you good. Be honest with each other. And be honest in a good way. Like I said before, whingers attract whingers. So if you're going to whine about something, expect somebody to whine to you. How you are with somebody else will often dictate how they are to you. Yeah. So if you're a constant complainer and gossiper about people, don't be surprised when people come to you to complain and to gossip. Because like attracts like. See, Philippians 2.3 says this, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Better than yourselves, not the same as yourselves, not below yourself. Better than yourselves. That means put more value on other people than yourself. It's like, that's madness. How could anyone do that? How could anyone consider anyone better than themselves? Well, God did it for me because he considered me better he consider and and hear me on this I'm not better than God okay but he looked at me and said I'm going to send my son to die for him now I know that I am not worth that but when God looked at me he said and God looked at not just me by the way I know I'm quite vain but he did look at you too <laughs> I'm just applying it to myself But God looked at humanity, he looked at the world that he'd created, he looked at his whole creation and he watched them walk away from him. He watched them not believe in him. He watched them kind of ignorantly live their lives without him and he said, I want to save that. So he considered us better than we definitely were and he sent his son to die for us on a cross. See, if God can do that for us, he gives us then the power to do that for other people. He says you can consider others better than yourself. You can live a, a humble life where you put other people up and you, it's not that you put yourself down, but you just you elevate other people. See, there's a lot of people, and you'll have met them out there, who like to put other people down and elevate themselves. So my challenge is can we do the opposite? Can we lift other people up and bring ourselves down? My third point and my final point is this, get real with God. And this one, when I was writing it and I was thinking about it, I was thinking like, but surely God knows me. It says in the Bible, he knows the amount of hairs on my head. He knew me before I was even born. He, he knew me before I was in my mother's womb. He, he, he knitted me together, the Bible says. So how, how can God know me more than he knows me? And I want to say that God does already know everything about you. And that's why he wants a relationship with you. And that, I need to say that again because that didn't land. But God knows everything about you. He knows all the good stuff. He knows all the bad stuff. He knows all the ugly stuff. He knows the stuff that nobody else knows. And yet he wants a relationship with you. He wants that relationship with you. He wants to know you. He wants See, a relationship is two-way. See, God knowing everything about us isn't enough in one sense. We've got to get to know God, and he's got to get to know us. There's got to be that relationship. See, you can have access all areas with God. And that, what I mean by that is this. In John 1, 12, it's talking about... Um, It's saying how Jesus came to earth and those who um, saw him didn't receive him. Um, They didn't accept him. But it says this, it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And like Ben was saying, in the last two weeks, that prodigal son came to his senses and came home. And he was thinking, I'm gonna be a servant. He was thinking, you know, I've been eating with pigs. Next level up is maybe being a servant in my dad's house. And when he came home, he gave him the robe, the ring, the sandals, the steak. Did I get them all? Yes. And he, he brought him back in because he's his son. He's not a slave. He's not a servant. He's not just a pig. He is a son. And so when we believe in Jesus, when we believe in his name, we have the right, it says here, to become children of God. See, Jesus didn't die a brutal death after living a perfect life so that we can just sing some nice songs on a Sunday, listen to a God talk and go home. That wasn't the purpose, right? That is like, okay... We enjoy it, but it's got, to, it's got to affect more than that. It's got to run through us. It's got to be that thing that kind of changes our lives. It changes our lives outside church. It doesn't just change it inside. Yeah. Yeah. See, so you, you, you can write this down. Your initial faith in Jesus means you're able to become a child of God. But your continued faith means you get to discover what that really means like your initial faith in Jesus. So putting up your hand in a service saying, count me in because I need a fresh start means that you will get to be a child of God. But when you continue in faith, you experience what that really means in life, what being a son of God means, being a child of God, being a daughter of God. It means you have access all areas. It means that when you step out in faith, God backs you up. It means when you're believing for something, it's gonna happen. And it's going quiet, because I know some of you are thinking, but I believe for something, and it hasn't happened. And I want to say, keep believing, keep stepping out. That song we sang before, that walking out on that water, and Joe was explaining that Peter walked out on the water. Jesus said to him, come. And so he said, I see you walking on the water, so I'm going to come. And he starts walking on the water. But then what happens is he looks. He sees the winds and the waves, and he sees all the circumstances, so he starts to sink. And he starts to go down in the water. And some of you, that's happened. Some of you, you were believing for something and you thought it was happening. You thought it was coming. You thought that healing was coming. Or you thought that financial breakthrough was coming. Or you thought that relationship was coming and you believed it and you felt that you were walking on water. But now you're sinking again. And you're thinking it's not happening. It's not happening for me like it's happened for everyone else. And I want to say, fix your eyes on Jesus again. Fix your eyes on him. believe in him again because he will pull you back up. But if you focus on the wind and the waves and the circumstances around you, you will sink. That is where you will go. But if you fix your eyes on Jesus again, then you you can see the completion of that. And we hear it like um, Andy and Anna on our, our day away, they were explaining the journey of the nursery. And if any of you have heard it before, you know all the kind of ups and the downs and all the different stuff that happened. And at any point, they could have just thought, nah, you know, a fire you know, someone set fire to the building they were in, and the and the amount of water that went in afterwards ruined the whole thing. And they were saying, "You can't come back in." And they, th- at that point, they could have just thought, "Right, well, we've got to close it." At that point, they were sinking, but they didn't. They believed. Yeah. They kept believing, and that's the key. Yeah. Yeah. See, I wonder if, this morning how's your faith muscle? And I talk about muscles because, like, because um, I injured my knee. And I wonder if your faith muscle is a bit like my knee muscle. I know my knee doesn't, you know, I know it's muscles around it for all you technical people out there. But I wonder, how's your faith muscle doing? Are you exercising it? Are you working it out? Are you practicing that faith? Are you believing for stuff? Are you stepping out in faith? Or have you rested it too long? Have you overcompensated with fear and pride and doubt? Have you overcompensated for your faith because you thought it didn't work? So I want to ask you again, are you going to work out that faith muscle? See, I've got exercises to do for my knee that's going to strengthen it. If I don't do them, it won't strengthen. And in the same in our faith, if we don't do anything with it, we'll lose it. It'll just deteriorate. We'll overcompensate with fear and doubt and unbelief and we'll think it happens for them, but it doesn't happen for me. I want to say this morning to you, Start working out again. Start practicing that faith. So I thought about this, and I thought maybe you need some faith exercises this week to do. So I was going to break it down, and I'm going to break it down for you now. I'm going to break it down into three different things that you can pray for this week. And if you commit to this, I want to see the change that it has, because I genuinely believe that faith changes things. See, see God isn't moved by emotion God isn't moved by like, I'm really upset about this God. He's moved by faith. He's moved when you put your trust back in him. He's moved when you fix your eyes back on him. That's when it comes. So, here's a little exercise this week. I know this may seem a bit teacherish, but hey, I don't apologize. So, pray every day for three friends who don't come to church. Pray for your friends. Pray for people who are not in church yet and believe for them to come in. Believe for their lives to be changed. Believe for them to get breakthrough in their lives. Believe for them to then have their own faith, their own relationship with God. Who wouldn't want that? It is the most amazing thing. Second thing is pray for a personal breakthrough. A miracle, right? Don't just pray for something that you can achieve yourself. You know, because that's that's sometimes where our faith lowers itself to. Like, I pray I have a good day. It's like, you have the ability to do that yourself. I pray I'm really happy. It's like, just smile, right? Okay, let's get over all that silliness, and let's pray for something that actually requires faith. Let's pray for a financial breakthrough. Let's pray for a relational breakthrough, where you think, I've tried, but it's just not worked, and I need this to work. Pray for it. Don't just get emotional about it. Pray for it. Believe for it. And the last one is pray for your leaders in church. It says in the Bible that pray for those who are overseers, okay? Because it is of benefit to you to pray for them. For them to get breakthrough, for them to um, you know, have, have you know, God involved in their life and for stuff to be going well for them is of benefit to the church. See, if your leaders in church, if if Tom and Shantz in church are really struggling and everything's going wrong in their life, that's bad for the church. That's bad for you because they're your leaders. Okay, same for Dave and Shelley, for Ben and Lynn. It's like you've got to, and for Andy and Anna, I'm trying to think of all the churches, for me and Vic, we'll throw us in. Craig and Liz, who else is planting a church? Come on, we'll pray for you too. Pray for your leaders in church because it is of benefit to you. Pray for them. Pray for blessing on their life. Pray for, like, good things to happen. See, I wonder if we committed to these three things, whether we'd see a difference over time. Because people train in a gym. They exercise their muscles. And it doesn't just happen overnight. It happens over time. And I'm not saying that faith works at the same speed as muscles here, but I'm giving you the principle, which is that people train every day, and then they see the results okay I wonder if we prayed every day for these three things whether we'd start to see results whether you'd start to see a change in your life whether it would do something for you as a person just by praying for other people by considering others better than yourselves by putting other people above and saying I'm going to pray for them I'm going to pray for my friends who are in church I'm going to pray for them to come See, I'm, I'm coming to the end of this talk now but I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond because maybe you've come today and you've not known what's available to you maybe you didn't know you could access all areas when it comes to God and to life maybe you didn't know that there was a God who loves you and cares about you and wants the best for you maybe up until this point you've relied on yourself and you feel let down and you need a fresh start maybe that's you today Maybe you didn't know that a relationship with God would change your life. Maybe you came this morning to church and thought, I don't want church. I don't want religion. And I'm saying it's not those things. It is a relationship that changes your life. See, a relationship with God gives us power over sin. Sin is the stuff that entangles us. It's the stuff that holds us back. It's the stuff that, it's the stuff that makes a list of 10 become a list of two. It, it's all that stuff that you think like, ah, oh, if only I could be a better person. See, see, that's the kind of stuff, that's the effect that sin has on us. But when we believe in Jesus, we get forgiven of our sin. We get released from it. We get set free. So today's your opportunity to put a stake in the ground and say I'm moving on. Maybe up until this point you've had a religion or you've had a philosophy of Christianity and today you're saying I want that relationship. I want to start afresh. I want something new. I need that new lease of life in me. See this isn't a promise of easier. We're not saying that when you become a Christian everything just comes easy. This is a promise of greater. This is a promise of greater. This is a promise of greater. This is like when you become a Christian, things become greater. Bow your heads and uh, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask that we pray this out loud. I'm going to ask that everyone joins in. And we're going to pray this together. And you can say it a line at a time. Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. To pay the price for my sin by dying on the cross. cross. Today I choose to believe in you. you. Please forgive me of my sin. sin. And And heal me of my hurts and regrets. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me power to change. In Jesus' name, amen. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, we give this opportunity every single week because we want people to know the goodness of God, not as a religion, not as a kind of an old dusty book, but as a a real life encounter that can change your life. If you want that, I want you to raise your hand now. If you've come this morning and you say, I want that in my life, that's great. I've seen that hand. I've seen that hand. Is there anyone else? This morning, this is your opportunity to say, I'm done with the past. I'm done with trying to do this by myself. That's great. And God, I want to pray for us as a church that not only do we listen to a message, that we take that message with us. We live it out in our week. That we start to believe for bigger. We start to dream again. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.